0: Welcome to part two of our conversation with author Mihi Kim Court, who is a Presbyterian minister, a mom, and a wife who is queer. We are excited about offering to you this second part on Outside the Lines How Embracing Queerness Will Transform Your Faith. And I hope that you enjoy this episode and enjoy the second part of this conversation. So what what are what are some other when it comes to kind of if you want to call it relationship with God, uh for lack of a better term, what are some queer possibilities for how mm-hmm. that might look beyond um kind of a heteronormative framework and narrative?
1: Yeah, that's really good. Um I I, I think that's um that's something that i I hope will um, be a f- potential future kind of project to work mm. out you know what it means to sort of queer the table and queer the pulpit and mm. queer the sort of um and yeah, hopefully you and I would have conversations about that in the mm-hmm, future because mm-hmm. um, I just think about for sure liturgy and I think about preaching and that space and what the sacraments mean and what would it mean to um, approach those, um, and talk about those and experience those in, in this sort of queer framework. Um, and so, but to embody that, um, I think for me it's meant, um, more freedom about how I interact with and connect with who God is. Mm. Um, so less so, um, like a checklist of things that need to be done to just kind of you know, this is how you keep a marriage sustained. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how you keep your faith um, uh, going uh, with this list of, um, which I think a lot of us grew up with. And I think they're still useful to a certain degree. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Bible study and quiet times and meditation mm-hmm. and prayer and those sort of things. Um but what about the possibility of, and, and I know that people are already doing this, you know, and, and I think, you know, being in Colorado is, it's it's hard not to think about, you know, the possibility of being in creation and yeah. encountering God in that way. Um, and for that to be something that sustains and boosts your faith and mm-hmm. deepens your faith in a lot of ways. Um, but to even think about the ways that we interact with each other in community. Um, and so a different kind of vulnerability. Um, a different kind of approach to and understanding communication around boundaries. Mm. Um, And then to think about even just our church structures in some ways, you know. Um, So I'm in the Presbyterian denomination, which um, uh, has a very particular kind of governance Mm -hmm. and polity. and, And so I think, you know, what would it be like if we didn't, the, the the presbyterian church motto is constantly this whole like we're a connectional church mm-hmm. um but that con- but those connections have to be mediated all the time and mediated through committees mediated mm-hmm. through uh, different um bureaucratic sort of structures mm-hmm. which you know everybody always talks about in terms of accountability and about community and that sort of thing and so i wonder what it would be like to um to change those structures. And people are definitely talking about that, but not really talking about it in terms of queerness. And so Hmm. if queerness could somehow help us to push those conversations forward about how we can think beyond, um, a form of government that's focused on, um, you know, again, like check marks and, and jumping through hoops Mm -hmm. and, um, rubber stamping and, um, and more about uh, the sort of nitty gritty kind of conversations mm-hmm. um, getting really like down and dirty <laughs> with these yep. concerns and these issues um, and really um, really not not like relying so hard on um I don't know, again, the sort of uh, the sort of systems that we've relied on for so long. granted, like I, I definitely do believe in and trust like the process of some of these things, but um, you know, some of those things get so stale after a while, and mm. there's something about queerness that I feel like breathes um, fresh air into the room, you know, when we're having these conversations mm. about um, again, church structure and church committees and church work and ministry so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm hoping that there will be something more in the future around that, um, Mm. in terms of church community and, um, interacting with God and community, um, in a way that is rooted in queerness.
0: Wow. And it's funny that you bring that up, um, because our denom, the Episcopal church, the denomination in which I am ordained, Mm -hmm. um, we're having our 79th general convention beginning Mm -hmm. this week in Austin. And, um, we do this every three years. Y'all are on a two or three year cycle as well on a two year cycle cycle. Mm -hmm. And I mean it, these kinds of conversations come up for Mm -hmm. us at least every three years around this time of, you know, is this the best structure for us to continue, Mm. um, It's the 79th. We've done this, you know, every three years. I mean, so this is our form of government of our denomination is almost as old as our form of government in the United States Mm, as a denomination. Yeah, Yeah. And, you know, does this work for a 21st century church? You know, there was Mm. talk like 10 years ago over and over again about... um, a, agility, mm. nimbleness yeah, nimble. of institutions. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, we talked about that in seminary all the time. Yeah, um, and maybe, yeah. I think you you open up a, a great kind of can of worms. Hmm. Around governance and polity, um,
1: I'm such a church nerd, though. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, exactly. That, I can tell that you are as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, stuff is and I'm a
0: enneagram six. Oh, okay. So I'm a skeptical loyalist. Yes. So like, I'm never going to leave the institution. <laughs> I'm always going to like remain within it. Yes. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, Love it's that. very funny and explains <laughs> a lot.
1: Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. I and um, speaking of which, I'm a seven. Mm-hmm. Mary to is six. Oh, I that's think. funny. I'm pretty sure he. Refuses to take the test, but I've taken it for him. Oh, that's
0: funny! <laughs> and then
1: we read the descriptions, and I did see um, when I read the description on the six. He kind of he he made a gesture where I thought, like, okay, he's hearing something there.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's his skeptical side that yes. just
1: yeah. yeah. He's just like, not another personality test, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because people like me will reference them all the time. <laughs> I get it. Um. Then you go on to say, a few paragraphs later, a queer spirituality transgresses the boundaries of how we live, move, and breathe through this world. It is truly embodied and rooted in flesh and and blood bodies, bodies that are surprising and show up as icons and words. It is also rooted in the body of Christ, in God with us, in the continuous blurring of transcendence and eminence. Can you say just a little bit more about that? And um, and it's interesting you use a, a lowercase b, so you're you're referring really to the physical body of Jesus to the yeah. incarnation. Yeah, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned at the beginning of the book that the incarnation is a sort of queering. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. of God, and you make the bold statement that Jesus is queer. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just act queer on the cross, that he is queer. So Mm. just expand on that, if you will.
1: Yeah. I think that um, there's something about the Christianity that, um, and, and, and I feel like I'm really just now kind of touching on this a little bit because of various um, writers and thinkers and teachers, but just thinking about even the origins of Christianity, um, and talking about, um, you know, that, that division, that sort of, um, binaristic division between mind and body, um, Mm -hmm. that division between flesh and spirit, um, and then all those sort of, um, polar opposites that sort of frame everything, um, that we understand and know and think about ourselves and about God. And I think that there's something super oppressive and restrictive about um, about thinking about our, ourselves in that way. Hmm. Um, and so I think about, um, yeah, exactly as you said, that the incarnation of Christ, that there is something queer happening in that moment hmm. and really intentional because it's God, divine, now in the flesh and it's messy and yucky and icky, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and not easily contained. Um, and so I, I feel like even the way that we've read, um, we've been taught to read the Bible Mm -hmm. that, um, we even try to, we try to point to the ways that Jesus interacts with people. And we say, oh, that's just Jesus being divine. Jesus being the son of God, um, in terms of, like I'm thinking about the story, and I talk about it in the book, the story of Jesus with a Syrophoenician woman. Mm -hmm. It's a super problematic story, and I think that sometimes... And traditionally, and this is what I've grown up with too, hearing is that Jesus was being divine in that moment and everything he said and did was perfect. You know, they just sort of gloss this story that mm-hmm. way and just like, wait a second. There are a lot of really horrible kind of things that are happening and interesting things and really powerful things that are not necessarily happening because of Jesus, but because of this woman that's totally on mm-hmm. the margins and like crouching underneath the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with all the stories he does around Um, uh, or he tells about, uh, like the good Samaritan is, you know, the one, the most obvious one that comes off, um, that's off the top of my head. And then the story of the woman at the well. Um, Mm. and so, um, I think that he's just doing so much more around identity than we realize in terms of son of God, son of man kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of stuff that's familiar to us culturally, um, you know, the way that he sort of plays around with, um, and tries to trouble the waters around identity. So, you know, he's obviously a Jewish man interacting with a Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said Canaanite woman earlier, it's a Samaritan woman at the well. Um, and, um, and they're, they very clearly identify themselves in that way. Um, and yet they still interact and they still have this very, um, interesting conversation about, like a really theological and heady mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. about worship and about legitimacy and about um, purity and about the living water and about eternity. And so huge, huge uh, themes in that conversation. And we just kind of gloss it over like, um, Oh, Jesus is being so wise and wonderful and offering, you know, this is an example of evangelism kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it it feels like it just dilutes the whole, like, you know, no pun intended kind of thing. It dilutes the whole moment at the well Mm -hmm. with this woman who kind of pushes back. Um, Mm. And so I think that that queerness for me emerges, not just in the body of Jesus and in Mm. the stories of Jesus, but in the people around him and the people Mm. who he interacts with Um, and that they allow for his queerness to emerge Um, they're the ones that even, um, help him, you know, find the trajectory he was supposed to be on for ministry and, and the mission. Um, and, and I love that. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just really love that. And I'm totally moved by that. So I, um, I think there's just something helpful and wonderful about queerness and, um, and I want to be careful to not, um, domesticate it. And not to dilute it, um, I had some Twitter conversations and some other conversations on social media with other folks um, who, you know, who have very specific definitions of queerness. Um, and I, I I don't know, I just, I guess I think about um, the message of the Bible being about liberation, mm-hmm. that that is always going to be the expression of redemption and grace and to me, that is queer, um, and that is a queering of the realities that we're in. Hmm. Um, and so, the systems and the structures, the principalities and the powers that that those those things will be overturned um, when that kingdom is fully realized um, on this planet or in this reality. Um, now I'm starting to sound apocalyptic or something. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, and I think that that is um, that is going to be necessarily queer um because it's going to be about love it's Mm -hmm. not going to be done by the sword or by Mm -hmm. by war necessarily but it's going to be um through the work of a radical kind of love Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's i mean you know that's like black liberation theology and Mm -hmm. that's um feminist theology for for sure and um you know that's not something that i think is just um uh Found only in or you know solely in queerness and queer theology but hmm. i think anything that that tends toward that there's something about god's kingdom in that and that's what draws me forward and compels me to to keep on pushing forward with this kind of language and this project
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know if someone comes out with a book that totally uh destroys my argument then it'll be fine because i still mm-hmm. know that i have my salvation and i'm okay mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that, um, something like this will, um, not just make queerness accessible because I don't think that that's the point of queerness really. Um, I think it's expansive. I think it's generous, generous and capacious and, and hopeful, um, but hopeful, not in the sense of like, like, you know, rainbows and, um, yeah. flowers, but a hope that helps root us in our humanity, um, in the midst of the darkness and um, and the struggles that we feel and experience every day, um, wow. So I need to I need to work that out a little bit more. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: But
1: I'm also um, an ENFP. I just spilled coffee all over. Oh no!
0: Course. Sorry about but that.
1: That's, I just stopped thinking about what I had in my head.
0: Oh, it's okay. That means it's a good conversation. <laughs>
1: Um, we'll get that. This after. was a book I was going to give to you. Oh, now well, it's spilled coffee all over it. Soiled. No, it's
0: soiled. It's perfect. Terrible. Um, it's a queer book now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So I'm ever optimistic. And, mm. um, and I guess that's a seven too though. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. I can't deal with, I mean, maybe that's not always the best part of being mm-hmm. a, a seven, but um, I want to put a good spin on everything mm-hmm. and find the good and the positive and, um, uh be as optimistic as I can about everything. Mm. Even as I'm maybe dying on the inside, depending on what's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that, that it you know, that this will still be somehow meaningful and just give um folks some sort of anchor or handhold for a little bit mm. until, you know, the next piece of the conversation comes out.
0: Wow. What a humble and 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 great Way to approach your own work as part of a broader conversation. um, Yeah, which is such a gift. Mm. And thank you for bearing, you know, this dimension of yourself with us and and with the public.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, we will all be better because Mm. of your work and and this book. So thank you. Where can people purchase the book?
1: Well, you can get a nice clean copy of it. (laughs) on Amazon or at Barnes and Noble. Great. Um, And hopefully at, you know, your local bookstore, you know, or at the library. But Mm -hmm. Amazon is the best place and the easiest. You know, the shipping is so crazy good. you will get it in two days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And where can people find you on social media or the internet?
1: Yes, that's great. You can find me on Twitter at Mihi Kim Court. And then on Instagram, um, where I feel like, you know, there's always like the different... Ways we sort of express ourselves mm-hmm. and represent mm-hmm. ourselves. So probably Instagram is more fun because then you see all the pictures of the kids, mm-hmm. and my husband, and what I'm eating, and mostly like what our house looks like, which is always a shit show in a row. Oh,
0: that's funny. Yeah,
1: that's great. I'm sorry, I just cursed. I don't know if that's allowed. It's okay. an Episcopal <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: They'll get over it.
1: (laughs) Um, And then uh, my website is finally back up. It was down because I forgot to (laughs) re-register the domain. Oh, that's funny. It took like a few weeks to get that (laughs) figured Mm -hmm. out. But Mihi Kim Court. So it's all just my name. It's pretty easy to find. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for being with us today. And I look forward to kind of following the book and seeing how, all of this unfolds for you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. Love being here too.
0: Good. Um have you seen Pose on FX at all? No. So it's this new show that just came out yeah. um in June. Yeah. On FX about uh the ball scene in New York in nineteen eighty seven. Specifically,
1: <laughs>
0: um, and it's a little kind of a playoff of Paris is Burning. Oh yeah, the nineteen ninety documentary. Fantastic. And kind of this whole weekend, I've been watching it and catching up. Mm. And it really—I mean, the the, mo- the show really resonates with mm. your work oh. on queerness yeah. um, on you know the ball scene ball culture yeah. drag race drag Total. culture yeah. as a subculture even within what some would consider the subculture of being lgbtq mm. um and how it it's it's just this deep sense of resilience and boldness, mm. you know, that kind of underlies yeah. and undergirds these people's lives yeah. as sex workers, right. as drag queens, yeah. as transgender people, mm. before we even had the word transgender.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: mm. The AIDS crisis of that time. I mean, yeah. just, it it's, it does such a great job of embodying that. And it's really made me kind of, it's brought a new and a fresh to me kind of the urgency Mm. of connecting kind of queerness and the gospel Mm. that it's not, Mm. these aren't two separate things as, as you make, I mean, you make the argument in your book, it's not two separate things. It's, it's really the way that Jesus was in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, why the whole kind of early Jesus movement itself mm. could have been defined as queer. I mean, yeah. it, it mm. set fire at the margins yes. of society. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was these marginalized people who were then retelling this Jesus story yeah, and this Jesus event. Um, mm.
1: I love that. I think that embodying, like what you said, embodying that resistance and that creativity And that just, that life, you Mm -hmm. know, that life overflowing, even before there were labels or theories around it. Mm -hmm. I think that that is um, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it out.
0: Yeah, good. Pose on FX. Yes. And we are not being paid to say that right now. So
1: I will watch it. Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for being a part of Mile High Theology today. And to our listeners, thank you for being great listeners and listening to Mihi's wonderful explanation of her book and her journey to writing, and please do follow her work, and I will be speaking with you soon um, as we recontinue our um, series on how Anglican Christians or Episcopal Christians approach scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Join us again on Mile High Theology. Thanks a lot.